I'm here today and I'm, well, I'm Jenny, by the way. Most of you should know that. <laughs> Hi. If you don't, I'm sorry. Um, I will say hello to you after. But um, today I get to speak on friendships. And I'm super excited about this topic because I love um, friendships. I've done it really badly and I've done it reasonably well sometimes, I think. Um, and I don't have quite as many stories as Katie did about dating. I feel like that girl has been on more dates than I have friendships. But anyway, if you haven't listened to that, you need to jump online and listen to the podcast. It was really great. Katie spoke on, the, on dating. And so over the last six weeks, and this is our final week, we've been doing a series on relationships. And it's been a lot of fun. We have taught, we have like no holds bar, I reckon, in this, in this series. It's been amazing. We've talked about sex. We've talked about dating. We've talked about friendship. We've talked about, well, we're about to talk about friendship. We've talked about singleness. We've talked about marriage. Um, we even this week did a live Instagram on, um, on marriage. And that was really fun. <laughs> Unfortunately, we lost the podcast. If you weren't here last week, you missed out. But that's why you should be in the house of God every week. Get along. You never know what is going to happen. There were some things said that I'm not going to repeat today um, because I'm kind of glad that you lost the podcast and I was going to cut it out anyway. Um, But I get to talk about friendships. I love that the Bible um, talks about friendships as well. I love that Jesus had his mates. I love that we hear about Jonathan and David, and we're going to go into that a little bit later. I love um, that we hear about how Barnabas was Paul's mentor, and then they became friends. Um, I love that in the Bible, even a mother-in-law is friends with her daughter-in-law. Like, come on! That doesn't even happen in real life. No, it does. I love my mother-in-law, if you're listening. Really do. She's great. She looked after my kids last night. She's amazing. But friendships matter, and I want to talk about, we're going to focus on it because friendships matter. They really, really matter. So I think I have a pretty actually high standard for my friends. I kind of, Mike said that I expect too much from my friends sometimes. Um, But I'm also really loyal. So if you're my friend, you know, I will die for you. I will do what you need. You know, I will be there for you. Um, But I do have my problems. And in my, (laughs) I remember once I accidentally, it was an accident, I promise, left one of my friend's daughters at school, even though I was meant to pick her up. And I forgot (laughs) I'm a great friend, seriously. I just don't have a great memory. So when it, it was Jess's daughter, by the way. <laughs> She's still around. She's still alive. She made it through. It's okay. Um, but I'm also really bad at remembering people's birthdays. So if you have a birthday, I'm really sorry, but I'm probably going to forget it. Okay? I'm just going to put it out there. When I left Facebook, I said, I sent a message to everyone. I went on Facebook for a couple of years. Um, just kind of a sabbatical. God told me to, so I did. Um, and... Um, Anyway, I went, off, I went off Facebook and I sent a message around to everybody and I said, look, I'm going to forget your birthday. So send me a text and I will put it into my calendar and then I will remember it. So it turns out usually they remind you like a day before, but then I'll still forget the day after. It's just my memory. I'm just not that great a friend all the time, guys. Sorry. I try. I try really hard. I'm sure I have my good points, don't I, Jess? Lots. Lots. That, thank you. I, I keyed her up for that before. <laughs> um, but I think in, in friends, like we can, we can have great friends and we can try really hard to be a great friend. But the truth is that we're human, right? And we make mistakes and, and sometimes friends hurt. I'm going to go into that a little bit later. Um, but on one hand, we've got friendships. And on the other hand, we've got loneliness, right? So if you've got friends, that's great. But if you don't have friends, you, it, build, it breeds loneliness. And so this, over the last couple of weeks, I'm just doing a little bit of research into loneliness and what that actually looks like. So do you know, it's funny, there was a study done in the UK and loneliness, and it could be different in here in Australia, but I doubt it, loneliness actually affects, is more likely to affect young people. Young adults are more likely to feel lonely than older groups. Isn't that interesting? Because I always thought, you know, the elderly 
would feel more lonely. Maybe they've become more resilient over their life. I'm not sure. But the stats are that actually, do you know what? Your age group actually feels the loneliest. In um, Britain alone, they've actually employed a loneliness minister into, into their parliament. So they created... A, a new role in Parliament, which was just to try and defeat loneliness because it's such a crippling thing that's going on in our world. And so, you know, I mean, that's huge to in, invest that much money in one person to try and, and solve this massive, massive problem. Here in Australia in 2016, Lifeline did a survey and they surveyed over 3,000 people. And 80% of those 3,000 people or so said that loneliness was, in, they believe loneliness was increasing. So actually people weren't getting less lonely with the um, social media world that we now live in. They're actually getting more lonely. And out of the three, um, top three living arrangements for this survey, 21% live with a spouse or partner and others, so say kids or maybe they live with their parents still or, or something like that. 21% lived with only a spouse or partner and, 20, and 19% lived alone. And 53% said they had someone to confide in when they felt lonely. But 33% didn't feel like they had anybody. Hear that? No one. 33% didn't have anyone to rely on. And it kind of, when we look at the, you know, the stats of, of the three top um, uh, living arrangements, it's really interesting that people with partners still feel lonely. You can be surrounded by a lot of people and you can still feel lonely if you don't have good friendships. And so that's one of the reasons that we're going into this tonight. Because if it says 33% feel like they don't even have people they can turn to, that means there's people in this room that feel that way. And that cuts me so deep. I just thought this this week, I'm like, no, no, no. The church should be the antidote to loneliness. You should be able to come into this room and feel like this is home. That this is where I'm going to have people that are going to love me and support me through those things. And so we as the church, we need to get better at that. We need to get better and we need to have, we need to have a, a, like a mindset that says, actually, we're going to be the antidote to loneliness. We're going to be friends with people. We're going to love people well. And so let's talk about how to love people well. Let's talk about friendships because I think this is, is one of the biggest um, things we can, that can help with loneliness. So I brought along Mike's best friend here today to use. This is the whiteboard. I'm very privileged to use this. I'm not even allowed to use this at home most of the time. Those who have been in meetings know that, you know, he protects it. Don't you, honey? I promise I won't ruin it. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Talking about friendship. This is one of Mike's good friends. All right, so um, there's been a lots of study done on friendships. And one of the most um, impact things that I've actually um, come across is the idea of the three different circles in friendship. So there's a guy called Robin Dunbar, and he has this amazing title. So I'm going to try and read it out for you because I feel like if you earn this title, I should read it out. The director of the Institute of Cognitive and Evolutionary Anthropology at Oxford University. Wow, that is a mouthful. That's almost that's bigger than Dr. Doctor that we've got with Jonathan here. If you didn't know that, you should chat to him. He's a doctor doctor, not just one doctor, but two. That's amazing. Anyway, this guy, Robin Dunbar, comes up with this idea that there are three circles of friends. And so we're going to look at them today. I'm going to attempt to draw three round circles. Not too bad, actually. That's better than my last attempt. That's good. All right. I'm going to kind of move it this way a little bit so I can... Sorry, can you see that, Jared? You're up. Um, all right, so in the middle here, we have, look at this as three layers of friendships. So in the middle here, we actually, Robin says that we need three to five close friends. So we call this our inner circle. 
That's my inner right I did. All right. And then <laughs> in the second circle here, we need up to 15. I'm going to write ish because it is about 15-ish. So this is our, you know, this is our middle. This is our second tier. Right, second row, yeah. So we need about 15-ish here. And then out here, we actually have up to 150. All right? For some of you, that's going to freak you out, but it's okay. I will explain it in a second. So the three to five, these are your besties, right? These are the ones that you call up first when you get engaged, right? They're the first person you ring uh, when you have a baby. They're not the ones you text. They're the ones you ring, for those who've had kids. Um, they are the ones that you go to when your hubby's super annoying you. Um, they're the ones that you go... My, that never happens in my house. They are the ones that you go to when you're really struggling in life. These people are your closest, dearest friends, and they are there for you 24-7, no matter what. These guys are your biggest cheerleaders. Now, some people will tell you that you shouldn't have your spouse in your inner circle. I'm actually going to disagree. I actually think you should have your spouse um, in your three to five. I think you should be able to rely on your husband or wife um, to be that person for you. But they can't be the only person for you. Um, up to 15-ish here. And I say ish because um, people's capacity is different. So for some of you, you'll have, um, you know, around 10. For some of you, you might have like 20 or 25 in there. Um, but these are your good friends. So they might not be the person you call first when there's like a traumatic event or something like that. Um, but they are the people that you do life with. They're the people you hang out with. They're the people that you... Um, We'll go out for coffee with, we'll befriend. Um, they're, you know, they're awesome people to be around. They're the ones that fuel you, you know. You walk out and you're just like, yeah, that was fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, and then we've got up to, up to 150 here. Now, these people, they're not acquaintances. They're still friends, would you believe it or not? And you'd be surprised. I know a lot of you are like, whoa, as if, as if I've got 150 friends. You'd be really surprised. This includes things like families um, members or it includes co-workers. It includes your church family, that kind of stuff. So... You'd be really surprised. And um, I'm going to challenge you later to have a think about your circles. But um, these, are, these are your tribe. <laughs> these are the people that are around you. They do life with you. They know you. Um, but they might not know you quite as well as these ones or these ones. They definitely wouldn't know you as well as, as these ones. So these three circles, they're really interesting. But I've actually found them to be quite true in my life. If I look through, and I haven't always done all the circles very well, um, but I will tell you now when I look at my friendship circles, this really works. This works well. Um, one of the things I just want to say about this is these can actually move around a little bit. So these ones in here in particular, these can move back and forward a little bit. Whoops. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that this one moves around very much, but sometimes it does. So say you just finished uni or you just finished school or, or something like that. That will be tend to when your, um, your inner circle might change a little bit. But I will tell you, when you get in your 30s or so, uh, you've ten, these tend to stay very similar people, uh, unless there's a big traumatic event in their life or in your life and that kind of thing. Um, and the reason for, for that is, is this actually takes years to develop. Years. And so once you've kind of developed those kind of people, especially, you know, get to that age where you're just like, you know, why actually I'm keeping these. <laughs> these people are good. Um, but they really, really take time to develop. So if you're sitting here and already you're thinking, oh my gosh, I can't even think of one person that would be in my inner circle, that's okay. Like, don't freak out. 
There will be those people, but you need, to, you need to breed those relationships. You need to actually invest in those relationships. They take a lot of time and effort. And that's why when you find that person that you click with, you find that person that you can really rely on, you hold on to them and you work at that relationship. Those relationships don't just stay. Like these ones here, you don't have to work at them that hard. You know, you say hello, you're still interested. This will, you know, they're friends, but you don't have to work that hard. This one, you have to work a little bit harder. You need to be selfless with your friends. Um, but this one here, you've got to work hard at especially in those first few years. But once you develop those friendships, these are the kind of ones that you need, need, need in your life. They're really important. And one of the things I'm really glad in my life is that I've had space in these circles. So for some of you, you're like, uh, I don't have 150 people in here. I don't have 15. I don't quite have three to five. That's okay. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I would say that you do, you know, you need your three to five, but you work your way out there. But also you need to have space. I am so glad that when my daughter started school, that I had space for new friends. You know, she became best friends with one of the little girls and her mum and I are now our best mates. Like, she's fantastic. And I love having her around. And I'm so glad that I had space in my life. For so many of us, we're filling up our lives with so much stuff. We don't have space for friends. Not for real friends anyway. We're not willing to actually open up. And one of the other things I just want to say before I move into some scripture about this is that this, you cannot be the same as you are to your three to five as you are to your 150. You can't treat them the same. If you do, you will burn out. I went through most of my life trying to treat this circle here like this circle here. And I can tell you, I didn't really make any real deep friends. I didn't really um, develop those relationships like I should have because simply I was trying to spread myself so thin everywhere and eventually you just end up getting walked on because you're not actually developing a relationship deeply with people. Um, and can I say, if you have your three to five in this room right here, you're pretty lucky. So we've only been around for six months and can I tell you, it takes a lot longer than six months to develop this space here in your inner circle. It really does. Um, but it can be done. You know, we here, we, this is your tribe. This is your family. And these relationships can be developed and should be developed. And we'll go into that a little bit more later. But I want to delve into some scripture. Because nothing good comes out of talking unless there's some God in it, right? All right. So, I want to, we're not going to put this one up on the screen just yet. But I'm going to go into 1 Samuel 18. And I'm not going to read it all out because it kind of goes from 1 Samuel 18 to 1 Samuel 26. And that's a lot of Bible to read out. It would be good for you all, but you can do it at home when you get home. And so I want to talk about a circle that where they develop this inner circle really, really well. So I don't know if any of you have heard of David and Goliath, the guy that took a stone and, and killed a giant. If you haven't heard that um, kid's Bible story, well, it's not a kid's Bible story, it's a Bible story. But, you know, you probably heard it as a kid. I'm a kid's pastor. Um, if, you, if, you, um, if you know, anyway, that's David who I'm going to talk about tonight. If you don't know it, go home and look up that. It's fun. Um, I'm giving you lots of homework tonight. It's great. Anyway. And then there was Jonathan. I'm not sure if many of you have heard of Jonathan, but Jonathan was best mates with David. And Jonathan was actually Saul's son. Now, Saul was the king at the time. So huge, huge guy. David was just a shepherd boy who eventually did something awesome, like killed a giant and then got invited into Saul's um, army and was a part of his um, family and his, his circle. And Jonathan became really good friends with David. Best mates, actually. But the interesting thing, thing about this relationship is that Jonathan was actually next in line to be king. That was his trajectory in life. He was going to become the king and it was going to be awesome for him. But he actually made a decision at one point. He actually, well, I guess he heard from God and he decided that 
that actually David was anointed to be king. And I find that really interesting. Like, you must have had a connection with God to hear that because, you know, what comes up inside of us when we, you know, we're next in line, that's our right, right? But not Jonathan. So Jonathan was willing to lay down his life for David and lay down his title. And I think that shows exactly how strong their friendship was. And so what happens is David has a... Uh, Or David becomes really popular, really good at what he does. And Saul becomes really jealous and wants to kill David. But Jonathan is a wonderful mate. And he's like, nah, you know what, Dad, that's not going to happen. So he lays down his life for David and sends David off. And he goes to his dad. His dad says, oh, where's David? And he says, oh, uh, Jonathan says, oh, he's not here. He's gone. And it makes his dad really mad. And so he sends word to David. Actually, dad is going to kill you because David wasn't sure at the time. So Jonathan sent word to David. And, and da- so David fled. Jonathan in turn saved his life, even though that meant that he was uh, upsetting his father, even though that meant that possibly he was going to lose his line to the throne. Like if, if he had allowed David to stay there, David would have been killed and then it would have been his throne. But he made a decision that his inner circle, his inner person, his best mate was important. And the truth is he obviously listened to God because he knew that's what God wanted. We live in a culture where we don't necessarily cheer on our best mates, do we? Or even any of our mates. We tend to bring people down. We're like, you know what? No, that's my place. But can I encourage you? Your three to five, they should be your biggest cheerleaders. They should be the people that are there for you, talking you through um, everything that you're going through. They're the people that cheer you on. They're the people that encourage you. They support you, just like Jonathan did for David. And I tell you, um, David actually eventually became king, but not after some really hard moments, really hard things. And it's a great story to, um, to have a read. But God was there for David the whole time, and so was Jonathan. And then in battle, Jonathan's actually killed. And David grieved over his friend, it says in Scripture. And what this says is that that relationship wasn't one way, that it wasn't Jonathan doing everything for David. And I see friendships like that. That's not what your inner circle looks like. Your inner circle looks like the love is mutual, the support is mutual. And so... Um, you know, I think David grieving over his friend shows us his love for Jonathan. I just think it's a wonderful example of, because we hear about girls and friendships a lot, but we don't always hear about guys. You know, guys, you need those three to five too. You know, you need that as well. And so Jonathan and David are a great example about how you can do that. The other thing that David has after this, he, in, um, go on to 2 Samuel 23, and we talk about David's mighty men. So I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but David had an army. He became king and he had this army and he used to go out and and the Lord's hand was on him and he used to defeat all these different tribes. And, you know, if you want to go into that kind of theology, um, we can do that later on. But he had his men and in his men, it's really interesting. He had his three inner circle guys. So he had a massive army, of course, but he had his three inner circle guys. They were really important to him. They were the people that he went to. They were the people that challenged him. They were the people that fought for him. Um, they loved David and David loved them. And it was really, and they're really important in his walk. Your three to five are actually really important in your walk with Jesus. And so these three guys, they, they loved David so much. As at one point in the scriptures, David's um, desperate for a drink. He's so thirsty. And he says, which I am now as well, actually, Mike. Can I have that water? Thank you. Um, no, it's underneath there. Um, and 
And, and, and they, anyway, he's so thirsty and he's laying there and the guys say, it's okay, I'll go. And they actually go out into enemy, enemy lines and fight this. Well, they don't fight the enemy, they kind of trick him and, and get around them. And he gets into, and they draw this water out of this well in the enemy's territory and they take it back to David, right? David would be so grateful and he would have a big drink of water, wouldn't he? Except no, he doesn't. He tips it out in the ground. <laughs> I just thought as a friend, I'd be pretty mad at that point. I've just like risked my life for this. But the truth is David loved his mates so much that he wouldn't even drink that water because what he said, and he says in Scripture, he says, you know, the Lord, the Lord would put judgment on me for drinking something that you guys have given your life for. So they were willing to put their life on the line. He's like, no, no, I can't drink that water. I cannot drink water that you have, when I love you too dearly to have let you done that for me. And so he tips it out. But he doesn't do it in like spite or anything like that. It's out of love, out of absolute love. And he then has his next circle of it. In, his, in this case, it's about 30. So he has 30 guys underneath these these other guys, and, and they're, they're his support. So without those other 30 that raise up, they're the real fighters in, your, in their team. Without that 30, that wouldn't have happened. And then he has his big army, which is probably up to something like 600. Um, now, the truth of the matter is they say you can only have about 150 because most of us don't have the capacity to keep many more relationships than that alive. Um, and I know they talk about it in pastor circles. They say that uh, essentially you can... Um, do pastoral care for about 150 people and after that you need to pass on that. So there is a limit and, that, and it's, it's there for a reason. But I just want to pause for a moment. This circle here is great and it's great to see that somebody's done the research and he has and, you know, this is healthy. If you do this, this is healthy. But can I tell you, you know what? The scripture says there is nothing new under the sun. And do you know what? There's not. This, this model of how to do friendships, this is actually in Scripture. It's throughout Scripture. This was here before. Robin got it from Scripture. He might not have known it, but he got it from Scripture. You know, I, I love, I've been listening to this science stuff lately, and um, I love hearing about how, you know, science is just telling of what God's already done. You know, and it's, it's so amazing. I love that we have scientists in the room. You guys are amazing, and you're transforming the world for Jesus, and it's so good. And we need more Christian scientists. It's so great. But this is in Scripture. This is from Scripture. This is not just his principles. And I, I mean, the most easiest example of this, guys, is Jesus and his relationships in his life. So Jesus had his three, 100%. He had Peter, James, and he had John. He took these three in his inner, he took these three to do, see miracles that nobody else got to see. He went up to the transfiguration. Um, they got to see that. They got to be a part of other miracles. You know, they were his inner circle. They were the people that Jesus relied on. And, you know, you go out and you see, you know, especially Peter, you know, the Lord says, you know, Jesus says that you will be the rock on which I build my church. You know, he, Peter was so important to Jesus and so was John um, and James. And so he needed those three. You know, and the truth is they were not perfect. Like, you know, he took them up and said, stay awake and pray for me and they fell asleep. You know, sometimes you're in a circle, they're not always going to be perfect, but they are going to be there for you. And they were devastated when they woke up because they wanted to be there for Jesus. Jesus had his 12, his 12 disciples who did life with him, who got to experience miracles, um, who, you know, were there through his whole life. They were part of the people that went out after he died and shared the gospel all over the world. You know, and Jesus knew that he needed these guys. He needed these guys to walk with him to be able to do that well. If you want to have really good friends, you've got to walk with them. 
You can't just all of a sudden pick them up when you want them and drop them off when you don't. That's not what creates these inner circles or this second circle in particular. And then Jesus had his 70. And they were the people that walked alongside him as well. They were part of his life. They may not have been at every miracle. They weren't in things like the Last Supper. We know that the 12 were up there with him. Um, But they were still a really important part of his life. Don't diminish your role in someone's life if you're here. You know, you cannot be in everybody's circles, okay? You can't be in everybody's three to five. It just doesn't work. You need to find them. Um, but don't diminish their role here. Those 70 were so important in spreading the gospel to the world. One of the things we're called to do as disciples is to go and make disciples. And so when you're, if you're around Jesus all the time, you can go and do that. Now, if you feel exhausted at the idea of keeping up 15 friends or 150 friends, just relax. It's actually okay. One of the greatest things about this circle in particular, and even this one, is it's a two-way street. So if you've got a friend, and especially in your three to five, who is just take, 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 you know, never ever giving anything back, you never, that's not a real friendship. A real friendship is when we actually do it both ways. For some of you here, you've actually been rubbish friends and you need to stop doing that. You need to be there for your other people. And for some of you, you've let other people do that to you. And you need to say, actually, no, this is a two-way street and we're going to be friends. We're going to work together. Jesus knew that it was important to have layers of friendships. And he knew it was important to walk alongside with his friends. Do you know what it takes? A, they say it takes a village to raise a family. But you know what? I think we've actually started making our families like silos. And mums and dads, we need to stop that. You need to stop becoming a silo because the truth is we all need a village around us. It's important for you to welcome people into your lives. These people are not just going to appear out of thin air. You need to invite people into your life. As, you know, as, as a young family, you know, we invite people into our lives. And the truth is, if you come into my house, especially unannounced, it's going to be trashed. All right? But the truth is, you can come in. It's so trash right now. You're all welcome back to my house to help me clean it. Um, but the truth is, if you, if you come back into my life, into those circumstances, I'm going to do life with you. And real life, being in my circles here, that means that if I'm inside doing the dishes and my house is trash, I'm going to ask you to come inside and do the dishes with me. If you rock up on my doorstep, you are welcome into my life. But being a part of my life means doing life with me. And so I'd love, I'd love, love, love to just encourage you to do life with people. It's really important. And it takes a village to raise a family. And I think it takes an army to raise God's church. So remember, if you're not sure that you even have 15 friends, take one at a time and take time to develop them. Like I said before, you know, we've only been going for six months. And for a lot of you, I've only known you for a year or less even. So we need to develop that friendship. We need to take time. It might mean extending your hand out and saying, hey, do you want to come out for dinner? Let's just go hang out after church. Do you want to come over this week? Do you want to come to my life group? Because I can tell you that when you do life with people, you really get to know them and you really develop friendships. I love my life group girls. Like, honestly, yeah, they're amazing. They're so good. But I wouldn't have known you guys like the way I know you if I hadn't have done life with you. You know, one of the things I loved when we started this church is, you know, Jessica and Matt were both in our life group for a while. And I love that. I love that we got to know them on that, that different level, that more intimate and more deeper friendship level. And the truth is, one of my favourite, this is the last story I'm going to read. My favourite story is going to be up on the screen. It's from Mark 2. Sorry if that's in the way. A few days later, 
sorry, I'm going to read it from the screen, mine's slightly different. A few days later, when Jesus again entered, I can't say that, Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four men. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the, the mat the man was lying on. And Jesus goes, so I'm going to read for you now. And Jesus goes in and he, and he heals the man. And it's great. But I think the heroes of this story are actually the friends. Because the truth is, when I think about this story, I'm like, what are you willing to do to your friends to get them to Jesus? What are you willing? Because these guys, they got up on a roof because they knew that this man needed Jesus. They knew their friend needed Jesus. And they dug in the roof with their hands. Now, I don't know if anyone's thought this through, but there would have been people sitting underneath that. Can you just imagine that, like rocks falling on your head and you're like, what is going on here? Is the roof about to fall in? Jesus, you need to do something here. But these guys, they got on their hands and their knees. They probably wouldn't have had tools because they were carrying their friend up. They got on their hands and their knees and they started digging. And I love that story because it shows how desperate they were for their friend, how they were inner circle people. They cared for them so much that they wanted to see their relation, they wanted to see this guy healed completely. And my question to you is, what are you willing to do for this friendship? What are you willing to do to develop these friendships? Because this is a healthy lifestyle, guys. This is healthy. What are you willing to do that? How much are you willing to give up for people to know Jesus, for your friends who are your loved ones to know Jesus? Your friends matter. Those friends brought life to their sick mates. Do you know what? You need your Christian friends. You need your mates that are going to grab you and take you to where you need to be. You know those, you need those friends when you see someone walk out of this building and they haven't been here for a couple of weeks, don't wait for Mike and I to follow them up. They need you to follow them up. They need you to go, where are you, my friend? Where are you? You need your Christian friends. We as a church need to be the antidote to loneliness. If you are lonely in this room, then I am sorry. But I hope that you can find a place here where people will love you, where you can develop friends. And if you're lonely, don't sit in that loneliness. Open up your hand and ask somebody to just hang out. You will have to develop those friendships one at a time. And my other last point is you need to have non-Christian friends. Super important. One of my best mates doesn't know Jesus, but she's amazing and she challenges me and she... um, encourages me and she kicks me up the butt when I need it. Like I need her in my life. And I need to be that friend that knows that actually, you know what? The best thing she can have in her life is Jesus. And so I need to be that friend that constantly prays for her, that constantly encourages her to come along and hang out with my Christian friends. We're going to yoga on Friday night. You know, there's gonna be some of Jess's friends there that don't know Jesus. You know, it's an awesome space. It's an awesome space for you to bring friends, you know, to get them around other Christians. But you need non-Christians. For some of you, if you're a parent, you've got an easy access into a school probably. Um, It's a great opportunity when your kids start school, develop friends. But if you don't have that, can I encourage you? Find a hobby. One of the things Jess has done is started aerial yoga, which is really fun. You've made new friends there, I know. You know, but find a hobby. Join a sports team. You know, like some of you guys can play basketball. Cool, start up a basketball team with non-friends. Don't make excuses as to why you don't have Christian friends. All right, because it's just an excuse and you can do better than that. 
Here at this church, you'll notice that we don't actually fill up your weeks with billion things. Yes, we have life groups because we know that it's important to do life with your Christian friends. Yes, we have Sunday church because it's important to gather together and to listen to the Word of God and to be encouraged and to glorify God through worship. But we don't fill up the rest of your weeks. And you're welcome to come to prayer meeting if you want to, but you don't have to. And why do we do that? So you can go and watch TV. No. Netflix is great. But that's not the reason that we don't fill up your weeks. The reason we don't fill up your weeks, guys, is because we want you to engage with people who don't know Jesus. Your friends, because they're important, okay? I can't minister to your three to five. I can't minister to your 15. I can't minister to your 150. All right, I've got my own. I don't have time, I'm sorry. But you need to, you need to make time, make space in your week. I live my 20s with such a full life. I was so busy. I was at youth on a Friday night. I was at um, life group during the week. I was visiting people. I was, I don't know, doing this and that ministry. I had meetings every other few nights. I was, my life was so busy, but it was not full. I've never felt more lonely and more empty in my whole life than I did at that time. And I was ministering in a church. That's not in this church, it's okay. But I was, and I've never felt more lonely. And the reason for that is I, I didn't make space to develop these friendships. So can I encourage you with your week, make space to develop these friendships. It's really, really important. Now, sometimes my weeks do look busy, but usually, you know what, they're busy because I've purposely put people into them. Like when someone says to me, do you want to hang out? You know what? Yes, I do. I want to make time for that. I want to invest in friends. And my very, very last point, I promise, is that friendships and people make mistakes. People hurt us. But the only person that will never fail us is Jesus Christ. The only way these friendships work, the absolute only way, is if Jesus is your best mate first. I can tell you I tried for so many years to develop my three to five. And what I didn't realise was I was was trying to to make them my saviour. They were my everything. And all of a sudden, Jesus said, you know what? You're never gonna find that in them. They're not the saviour of the world I am. And so when I actually developed, when I made a decision that, you know what? Jesus is gonna be my, my my whole world is gonna be surrounded by Jesus. gonna be, you know, when I made that decision, these friendships started to work. This idea of your three layers of friends, they started to work. So can I encourage you, if you don't have those friends, first, you need to develop your relationship with Jesus. You must have a relationship for Jesus. That is the only way these friendships will start to work. Ask Him to bring these people into your life. You know what? If I dumped everything, if I only had Mike as my one person in that circle and I dumped everything on him, what do you think would happen? Probably our marriage would break up. You know, probably he would struggle to deal with all of that. But I don't. I have three to five amazing friends who I can call. But more than that, I have a relationship with Jesus. So I get on my hands and my knees before God and I will blurt everything out to Him. It's messy. You know, I cry. I call on the Lord. You know, I read my Scriptures, but I go to Him first and then I go to my friends. And the truth is I have healthy relationships because Jesus is at the centre of my world. And so I encourage you, the first thing you need to do is work out, where is, my, where is Jesus in my world? Is Jesus in the centre of all my friendships? Is He the one that I go to first? And if not, that's okay. That's all right. You can get there. Jesus is right there. He hasn't, He's not a kilometre away. He's standing right there. And He's like, hey, you know what? Just connect with me. 
So I'm going to ask the band to come back. Let's have that in a second. But can I encourage you to go home tonight and to actually have a think about this. Firstly, think about, do I have my three to five? And if not, is there anyone in my life that I want to start developing that? Do I have my 15? If not, is there anyone that I want to start purposely developing that? And who's in my 150? You don't have to write them all down. But it might be helpful to write your three to five and and you're up to 15, it might be helpful. And then I would love you to take this time right now to ask yourself, is Jesus the centre of my world? And if not, why not? And how do I change that? Because the truth of the matter is relationships take time and you need to invest in your relationship with Jesus. So if you get nothing else out of this and you walk away with nothing else, I pray you walk away knowing that when Jesus is the centre of your world, everything else flows from that. So let's pray, let's worship God and let's ask Him to be the centre of our world. Let's pray.